everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Photo, video, EliasRoushMedia.com. Today we are discussing Euphoria Season 1, Episode 2, Stunt Like My Daddy. Here's a synopsis. On the first day of school, Rue struggles to put the violent past behind her. Nate's obsession turned violent, and Kate finds a video of herself online. So, episode two was very much trying to keep us in the same pacing, same motion, same cinematography, and music style and editing choices as the first episode. I really enjoyed the second episode and uh, the way that it was laid out. Um, It shows from the very beginning the history of Nate Jacobs. And um, he very much has these, you know, father issues things. You know, he, he finds out how... Uh, sneaky his father is and kind of is sort of in a way I don't want to say that he's tracking his steps like he's doing the same thing his father's doing but he's he he very much learned from his father how to be a dickhead which is evidently what his father is and his uh it's apparent that his mother uh was not very um folk very family oriented or family focused and uh and he didn't think that high of her. Or he doesn't really think that high of a lot of women. It seems that he has this, I don't know, incel superiority, white male complex that just is really just making, th- uh, thrusting this asshole. Um, the only problem with uh, this is it, it's kind of glorifying it in a way, but also not. They, they show him going kind of off the deep end with going to beat up this guy that had sex with the, his ex-girlfriend or something like that. And they're they're really spinning it as if the girlfriend was blacked out at the time, and that this guy um, uh, raped her or something like that. And I didn't realize at the time that this guy was twenty two, and pretty much everyone else is in high school. And so, uh, yeah, that's that's definitely not good. That's not I don't that's definitely not legal. So um, I don't know if it was worth the ass whooping that he got. Like he knew. Nate Jacobs beat this guy nearly half to death, um, given we only see um, the camera kind of pulls away after the first strike. I mean, he strikes him one time, and the rest is, um, you know, kind of from afar, and all we see is his, you know, face after it's all happened, but still, he still fucks him up. I was just like, uh, this is a little bit excessive. I, I, I don't exactly understand why he's going and doing this, and he's kind of getting off to it a little bit. Uh, he, he's, he's a true dick. But um, we also have uh, our main character, Rue. She's going through just uh, immense change. Obviously, at the beginning, it shows her uh, going to school, and they went as far as saying, you know, everybody needs to stand up on the stage with spotlights and tell us something that was impactful of your summer. Like, I don't think I could do that even if I hadn't had an experience like that. Um, If someone had gone through a traumatizing event such as that, you don't put them on stage and do that ridiculous shit. I mean, I'm starting to learn that this is kind of more of a ridiculous, overly heightened world 
and it's not exactly in the same realm of realism as uh, you or I would be living in. Like, um, like I believe her name is Kate, which is the girl that uh, loses her virginity in the uh, first episode. She has a sex tape released of her, and it's interesting how they go about this. It really does feel like uh, a kind of one one oh one if uh if a girl is in this situation or if anybody's in this situation really and you find yourself having footage of you being passed around they, they they kind of talk her way through it instead of having her panic and go through a whole episode of her crying about it they they address the people that are responsible for uh spreading the news i guess and um they try to change the story and they also are uh, talking about the legalities of having this footage out there as well. And I thought that was pretty smart. You don't hear that a lot. Um, so I do feel like this is somewhat, uh, it, uh, in a way that how Big Little Lies felt like a way that you would want to, the first season at least, kind of was focused on how you could talk openly about domestic violence and uh, abuse. This very much feels like how you can be open and talk about, um, you know, uh, sex, drugs, etc. Um, as a teenager or, you know, a growing young adult. I mean, it seems very much that they're trying to focus these themes heavily rooted in these uh, uh, very cinematic media pieces. So... Um, I thought this episode had some really stellar uh, editing in it. Um, this d- episode is directed by Sam Levinson, I think his name was. And, uh, yeah, Levinson. And I I was really impressed by the, the way that they were able to uh, interweave these different uh, storylines in a way that didn't feel forced or didn't feel awkward or that, you know, it, I'd really say this is, uh, some top, top notch editing. Um, and this, from the storyline standpoint, you know, we have Zendaya having to go through school, like I said earlier, and she has to go through that one, you know, whole scene on the stage. And it's, you know, it's terrible of all of that. And I believe a tons of, tons of things are flashing in and out about uh, uh, the experience of her being picked up by her mother and her sister and just a bunch of very highly emotional uh, moments that had happened over the summer. And she's just having the most the hardest time, you know, spewing it out. And um, eventually from there, she has to go and uh, to, what is it, like an, a drug anonymous, like alcohol anonymous court class but and she kind of tricks this one guy into saying that you know she was gonna give him oral uh basically so she could get her time sheet uh stamped um that said that she had been to this meeting every week or something like that so from there she goes to get more drugs and i was thinking at that time i was like i really want that you know that little dude and uh what's his face fezco to uh, show up again because they were some of my favorite aspects of the first episode i was like oh shit you know i wanted um i wanted some more with them so i uh i was like okay okay and so 
she's kind of being pushy. Like, she really doesn't give a fuck. And she's almost, to the point, just rude and narcissistic. And so Fezco's like, you need to get the fuck out of here. We got, you know, this crazy motherfucker showing up. And so um, I'm trying to see if I can find that guy's name. Uh, okay, so Ashtray is the guy that, the little kid that's hanging out with uh, Fezco. Okay, so he does have a name. Um, I can't find the guy's name that, um, was the drug dealer. Hmm. Yeah, I can't really find him. Yeah, I don't see him. Anyways, the, uh, drug dealer, Fezco's drug dealer, and Fezco and Ashtray's drug dealer just basically bust up in there, and when he's in there, it's just like this high stress, high, high tense situation where, uh, you know, Fez has a, um, a firearm in between the uh, couch and it puts us on edge and then you know ashtray spots another one on uh, another firearm on the the side dude that was uh, also delivering some of the drugs with him it was um it was definitely pins and needles in a way but i didn't ever feel like there's uh, there at no point in this episode did I feel like we were going to lose our main characters I was like we might lose one of these you know Fezco or Ashtray but I was like damn this would be really early to lose one of these uh characters we've barely had on screen at all so at this point um it it was kind of you know it was more it was more or less disappointing I guess to see her do drugs again see do to see her do you know specifically I think he said it was like fentanyl or something like that I mean something some of the most highly potent highly uh, highly uh, what am I saying that the most overdose drug I think is probably from fentanyl and I'm I'm don't have a statistic in front of me right now so don't quote me on that just I'm just saying um from what I've heard that's probably it's one of the highest if not the highest um drug out there that causes overdoses and so that's why it was more or less uh it sucked to watch her you know take take this or be forced to take it and then after that, he's like rubbing up all against her. It was just, uh, it was, uh, uh, that was worse watching that than having, to, you know, to, I never thought she was going to die, but I didn't know she was going to be assaulted. And that's what I was like, oh shit, this is, this is not where I wanted to go. And I, I didn't think that Fez would ever let that happen. Cause he seems to be someone that really cares for her and, uh. I I kind of worry for Fez at the end of this now that I'm thinking about it. I think him or Ashtray may be up on the chopping block for this season because they're turning into be, you know, really cool dudes, kind of comedic relief in a way, but also um, you know, they're they're high role players. They're, they they seem to be uh supporting actors, supporting characters that are um meaningful to our character, our main character. And if they don't want to kill our main characters Zendaya, they are that means they are on the chopping block. I think Ashtray might be first if if there is someone going down. I really hope no one goes down. I hope that's not that show. But, um, I mean, they've already introduced the idea, so, I mean, we can't just deny it. Um, uh, we find out, um, what is her friend's name? Uh, what is her friend's name? So many, there are a lot of characters. Okay, so, okay, so, um, McKay and Cassie uh, kind of have 
an issue that that's kind of a subplot I'm not really interested in. Uh, McKay's all focused on football and Cassie's, you know, all focused on sex and they're just kind of not really, um, they're not getting along on, in a way that they would, you know, they're not in the lovey-dovey phase right now, I guess, or when they should be. I, I don't know. It, it's one of those things I'm just like, I don't give a shit about this pl- uh, plot line. And uh, I'm more interested with, I thought like uh, McKay was going to sleep with, the, uh, you know, Cassie's mom or something like that. But there's there's some subplot happening with her taking photos of herself and um, sending them to McKay. I don't think McKay's the guy to send them around. He seems to be one of the more level-headed guys that hangs out. But um, who knows, someone could get his phone or she could send them wrong person or whatever um it was jules who i was thinking of jules is uh texting a guy throughout the entire episode shy guy something something and uh i was like who is this guy i was like this guy's got to be a, a prominent player on uh on the screen like if we don't see who this is this episode i'm like all right they're just gonna string it out and then we're gonna finally see on the sixth episode it's gonna be oh it is it did happen to be nate and we all knew it since then so i'm glad that they didn't um uh i'm i'm glad that they didn't beat around the bush about it i do need to go back and look at i was gonna say that ab shot <laughs> no i'm i guess it the one thing that gives away Nate as a individual is he has this birthmark on his uh, abdomen. And I guess when I felt like when she pulled up the photo of him, of this guy with abs, it, it cuts off his, you know, his face. Um, I don't remember there seeing that, uh, that, that birthmark right there, I guess. And so that's what I guess threw me off. But if we would have recognized him, he's had, he hasn't had a shirt on over half of the series so far in the first two two episodes. He's taken off his clothes I don't know how many times. Um, so we know as an audience that he has... He, we know the definitive features on this guy, whether we want to or not. Um, and speak, speaking of definitive features, good God. I mean, when they were doing that whole uh, montage of uh, Nate feeling uncomfortable around other men... Which he might be secretly closeting, clo- uh, he might be a closeted gay man or something like a self-hating gay man. I I don't really know what the 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 term is. I don't want to put that term out there and say that's what the official term is or something like that. But I it does feel like he has some self uh, hatred about himself and he gets off to violence and he gets off to. Um, I I think it's sort of in a way of what you saw his father do on all the recordings that he watched, and it seemed that his father, I mean, his father was having sex with like, like, like teenage boys and shit like that, and it, you know, besides the the legality of it, like it's completely illegal for one thing. So it's, I guess he found his father's like like porn stash like like teenage boy porn stash i mean it's it's completely fucked up on all levels and i i don't really know what to say about it past that (laughs) i mean it is uh it's it's pretty fucked up i mean just this entire this this, the entire show is is just uh fucked up on a lot of levels so eventually we get uh 
Rue picked up by Jules. Later we find out in the episode that Jules has indeed been texting Nate. And it was pretty interesting uh, editing uh, that they were doing, you know, the swift over the head, you know, I, I don't, I, I can't really describe exactly what this, what the camera movement is called, but it's kind of like this pan, you know, it's continuously going and showing, you know, what everyone's doing. I feel like they kind of did that with the uh, last episode. It's kind of this roundup of what everyone's doing. Um, we also find out Kate wants to maybe invest in doing. Uh, cam girl stuff and honestly we just found out in real in in the real world that Mia Khalifa the porn star only made like $12,000 a year so if anyone is thinking about doing that one of the most successful well-known uh adult uh film stars only made less than $20,000 I think she said her entire time doing it so um, maybe reconsider your options or try to, you know, monetize it a little bit better, get a better agent. I don't really know, but that's, that's what I'm going to have to say about that. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, another one of an episode. I didn't really think I was going to do quite this in depth of a, a recap, but well, I mean, we got some good stuff, I, I believe. Uh, once again, amazing music. I'm really impressed with the editing and camera work, some, you know, impressive stuff. Um, this Nate Jacobs guy is saying that he's going to beat this guy basically half to death. Uh, that's an, that's intense. Like this guy broke in somewhere and beat somebody up, like assaulted somebody. This dude's like a psychopath. Um, let me see anything else. Uh, I think we pretty much covered the majority of it. It was pretty heartbreaking to see the, the scenes between her, uh, Rue and her mother kind of, it, it, it just looks like a broken family. And, oh, oh, one of the uh, flashbacks we get is with uh, Rue and her father. And we find out that Rue was doing oxycodone when her father was sick in bed. And that was at the age of 13. So that roots us in around the year 2013, 2014, give or take maybe a year. And so that that, that kind of gives us the timeline because she said her uh, nanny or whoever the nurse was playing Candy Crush forever. And that came out 2012. So that would make sense if it's 2013 or 2014. Um, but I guess we still don't have... A legitimate reason of why she's obsessed with these drugs and just being high on everything. I mean, I mean, when she's run off stage early in the episode, she she runs to go do uh, snort what looks like Xanax or something like that, and so, um, and then has a confrontation with her uh, longtime friend who she's been getting her piss from, who's kind of more the straight straight edge girl, Lexi, and so, yeah, it's. Uh, it's not really sourced exactly. I, I don't think we can exactly find find the... I don't think we have the definitive answer of why she's taking drugs all the time and can't get unhooked. And so, I mean, besides the point that they're addictive, but I think there's going to be some sort of rooted problem that we're going to find out maybe later in the season. So, yeah, I'm, I, um, my predictions... 
I feel like we saw uh, a Netflix show that had uh, the self-hating bully that ended up falling in love with uh, the gay... We did. And uh, let me see, what what was it called? Um, What was it called? It was the British Netflix show. I'll put it in the show notes if I can remember. Um, It's sort of a spoiler, I guess, if I... If I do that, because uh, I don't know. But anyways, Netflix has a show like this, and, and they kind of take that same formula. So in a way, I've I've seen this these plot lines before. In a way, I, I definitely haven't seen you know Cat or you know Rue's character or even Fez or Ashtray or the majority of these characters. But some of these subplots like McKay and Cassie and. Uh, Nate and Jules. I've actually seen these plot lines happen before, so uh, you know we'll we'll see how it uh, happens. I guess when Netflix did it, it wasn't a transgender uh, girl or individual at all. So who knows? Who knows how that's going to end up? I really hope it doesn't end up violently because I can definitely see how. Uh, I mean, at first I thought Nate was gonna uh, you know rape that dude. I was like, oh my god, because he kind of had him. <clears throat> Excuse me. He had him in the same position that his, uh, uh, Nate's father had Jules in, in in the first episode. So there's a lot of similarities, especially in the blocking and the shots, all that type of stuff. Um, yeah, so I definitely see some similarities. Um, thank you for listening to the Lucked Out Podcast. For questions, comments, concerns, check out the Lucked Out Podcast at gmail.com. We have uh, tons mm-hmm. of other uh podcast coming down the tube i'm not sure if we're gonna do uh every episode of euphoria but i you know the ones that we will we will absolutely have coming down uh shortly and they'll be linked into the show notes for a full list of everything that we've done you know check out Apple iTunes. If if you want a little bit better uh, sound quality, if I talk too fast, if I don't talk too, if I talk too slow, um, then uh, check out Castbox. I think that's a really great uh, uh, podcast service that allows you to kind of edit how I sound and tailor it to the way that um, you want to hear your podcast listen to. So check out Castbox. Um, also. Uh, if you have a couple quarters, a dollar, a couple of dollars, it would be amazing if you could help us support the Lucky Dog Podcast, keep the studio lights on, keep the editing equipment all hot and juiced up and ready to go. Um, helps us see movies and keeps things streaming. Um, PayPal.me slash the Lucky Dog Podcast. It's uh, linked in the show notes as well. We have uh, another show called Succession. If you have HBO and you like HBO shows and stuff like that, we have also covered Big Little Lies Season 2 on HBO. Um, I would say um, if you haven't seen Big Little Lies at all, at least check the first season out because we have that uh, covered as well. So be sure to check out um, all your HBO goodness and content. If you have been in the theater recently, you probably know that Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw came out most recently. And that's pretty much dominating the theater right now. It's kind of uh, the summer is starting to um, come to a close. And so we're going off on a, on a high note with Hobbs and Shaw. We have covered that podcast. And also we've gone out 
on a, a classic note with a classic Tarantino, his ninth movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 2019. We've covered that as well. Uh, I had my buddy Jay on the podcast for the beginning of that, and we talk a little bit about some Tarantino goodness. So be sure to check out all the Look It Up podcasts that you possibly you, that your your little heart can desire. If you want more of us, check out the Twitch, check out the Instagram. We got Facebook group. We got it all. Thank you for listening, and we couldn't do it without you. Take it easy.